Hey folks, what are the Redneck Country Podcast? You're on with Real Redneck Tom Millard, and of course we've got the almost guy, Real Redneck Bill Tom Bill. Are you there? I am here, and uh, it's a beautiful night for a podcast. It may be a beautiful night for a podcast. It's not going to be very long, but it is for at least tonight. Well, this is what we can live with, and it is absolutely a great day because it's the opener. Of it, a very, it is very the opener, and it's not a great day because I didn't get out. Well, I think before we get into, uh, we got the fact that you work today. Apparently, <laughs> somebody once said I, a few minutes ago. That's all I do. There's a lot of passion involved. And speaking of passion, <laughs> who's sitting beside you today? <laughs> speaking of passion, who's and, and so I will ignore that and say yes. Sitting beside <laughs> me is the patriarch of Redneck Country, my father, real Redneck Tom Millard. Is your mic hot? Yes, it's hot. It was a beautiful night for a walk over, and I did a lot of work today. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I heard. I, I feel the passion. I did. <laughs> Gosh, uh, some of my stuff we, today. No, I got that. Todd, uh, did you know it was raining outside today? You know what? <laughs> Only because I walked Avery over to the bus first thing this morning. See, this is why I asked because my what I got from the last ten minutes of conversation was you didn't do a thing today. No. And you sat on your yeah, right. So, <laughs> anyways, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> if if you think you work, I want you to stop, pause, times it by four thousand, and you're almost to how much I work. In a yeah. day. Some of us are just a little bit more efficient than others. All I got to say. <laughs> so, hey, so you guys have a good week. I didn't really talk to you much this week. Oh, I guess we did have a good week. I can't complain. Hmm. Well, I guess that's going to be one of the topics of conversation in the podcast because well, I do is. know that you guys had a good, we, good uh, Saturday. Right? Well, it's Saturday, opening day Sunday, of Turkey Saturday. today, and I'm getting, yeah. like, I didn't get out, and I'm getting pictures sent to me like crazy like even even uh jen's cousin's daughter that um i went out with her friend and she she's never hunted before and they got turkeys and she was sending yeah. them to me and so i'm like i'm getting jealous that it i didn't, I didn't get to get out yeah, right. sure. <laughs> if you didn't get to hunt today do not go on social <laughs> media if you did not shoot a turkey today close your phone <laughs> for right. sure but That's but exactly it was opening day of trout so we did do that and that will be the topic of conversation because we hunted them and if we got stories and yeah, tips I'm and tricks and anybody can do this which is the biggest thing right and i mean it's it's everywhere everywhere i didn't hear a thing from your dad or anybody else in, in the party and i think i've only got a little glimpse of what you uh were up to this weekend with one of your social media uh, go live todd oh well, I, I, did, here, I had fun and yeah, you didn't hear yeah, anything from dad dad didn't say <laughs> and i wonder what dad you didn't send bill i mean not a spoiler we'll, we'll alert talk about that. we're gonna talk about that in a little bit we'll get into that in a little bit but so uh just uh, to kick it off i'll tell you what i did this week not oh, yeah. asked bill, what did you do this week i'm yeah, figuring well, I you started working on your car because we're gonna get snow come wednesday so you well, i did <laughs> I, i'm I not had surprised a great weekend yeah it was uh pretty much the weekend i'll just give a quick vw report and uh, move on Because yeah, we're riveted My man I mean If there's one thing That everybody well, tunes Into the podcast Is and let's hear About a senior Citizen's well, vehicle <laughs> Two thirds Of this podcast uh, Are interested And actually I didn't even send your dad Any pictures this week But you know, I'm ready So I got the uh, I got a large chunk Of my list uh, Knocked off this weekend I got both door Doors done Which means Glass in New vent window Seals All the Inner workings Of your door crank everything uh seals 
finished on the drivers and passenger side doors. Got uh, you know a, a large jump, uh, jump forward, and this Wednesday is going to be a big day because I'm going to take my engine down to uh, a good buddy of mine, and he's going to do the final dial in to make sure that anything that I have done wrong is is going to be fixed on Wednesday. So Volkswagen is starting to come together, and the list is getting shorter, and the the pile of parts is getting smaller, and I'm getting more excited every time. The bank account's getting lower. Oh, that's that's depleted. (laughs) You know what? I got a buddy that I I play. I I first met him. He's he's did the lift on my truck. I've known him for forever, for a long, long time. Because he's he owned his own business doing lifted vehicles and stuff like that around here. A lot of guys know him. Blacktop Customs. It's Nate, and uh, and then he went and partnered with uh, another a well known business and kind of took his business over there. And so he did the lift on my current truck as well. And now he's works with his father at a at a cycle shop, uh, a motorcycle shop. So, but he comes plays hockey with me, and so he has a beetle and he's a car guy. Like, and I said, dude, this is so not your MO because you're like the lifted truck King. You're the mud bogger. You're like, he's always had like massive Jeeps lifted with, with monster. Like, I don't even know, 40, 44s at minimum (laughs) on them. Right. And, and posting videos of car crushing and stuff. And you have a, beetle and he said to me you know what he's like he got it him and his girl and and stuff and they go to car shows and and that kind of thing he's like and but beetle people are different and i said oh heck yeah i said the majority (laughs) of them i think drink tea which we already have established this so i said you could always tell but i'm like he goes but even like the the, you go to the the auto parts swap meets and he's like you go to beetle specific ones and he's like those people i'm like yeah because they're all just a bunch of hippies i'm like don't they just give me the parts for free and he's like i ain't kidding you he goes, I'm, I'll walk up and there's some parts there that I'm, I'm like, hey, I could probably use that. And he says the guy's got like $60 on him. He's like, so the parts already aren't that expensive. And he's like, oh, hey, I, I could use. And he says he doesn't even wheel and deal. He just the guy looks at me and goes, well, I'd probably take 25 bucks for him. Right. And he's like, and that's what it's exactly what it is. Because <laughs> like, they're all too busy hanging in there, right? Easy, Coming yep, out of the chartreuse chartreuse microbus as smoke rolls out. They're like, hey man, it's like whatever you want. We're all good here. <laughs> You're jealous. Don't, don't worry, buddy. We'll get you to a car show this summer. I'm sure you'll be you'll making be fun of all jealous. kinds of beetle dudes. I don't have to yeah. worry, they'll never run me down. You couldn't catch me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you run fast scared. I know that. That's for sure. Mm. But yeah, no, yeah, I just so found it. I was, yeah, you're right. I was we are a different them. breed. And uh, I wouldn't have it any other any other way. I absolutely enjoy it. So good deal. Yeah, today is uh, it's a good day. I saw a bunch of turkeys coming up and down the road and I was thinking you guys live to see another day, but I know for sure I'll be out on Saturday coming, so Wicked, but uh, I'm anyways. I'm fixing. I, w- I was fixing to go this morning, but Dad was he's too tired. Too tired. Yeah, I was tired. Todd couldn't keep his eyes open or keep from yawning yesterday after supper. I said, "Are you really up to it?" And he just looked at me and yawned again. He agreed to wait. It was because I was talking to Dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've yawned six times already during this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to go when it's stupid cold and snowing like Wednesday. So it might be like a Thursday morning. Maybe I'll try to get off and sneak out. We'll see if it starts to warm up. Cause I think as soon as the snow, that, that warm starts to come back, they're going to get real active. You think so? I hope so. 
Yeah, well. I hope so. There's enough guys got them today, I'll tell you. Holy jeez, my phone just would not stop. Yeah, I'm hoping this weekend. I'm sure my brother will be out on Saturday too, Saturday morning. Oh, and, right uh, on. Yeah, we'll go our separate ways and we'll see what we can, you know, keep the phones going with the three different areas, I guess, if you guys are going to manage to be able to get out on Saturday morning. Oh, for sure. Going to do it Saturday. Keep each other active on that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. right. Oh, sounds like a plan. I have to set up a group, texting group. Yeah, I'm all good with that. The Redneck Country Texting Group. I like it. So, yeah, uh-huh. so aside from that, trout fishing, my man. We got yeah. not, not fishing, hunting. I'll say trout hunting. And it was a good so time. So tell me about it. Let's, let's just start there. I think you we should get, into get right into it. Yeah, so do you want to get into I mean, this, this is... Saturday or do you want to go back to dad's story? I guess I could talk about this last Saturday and then we can go from there. Well, I can I lead so. into it with how I found it and everything. And then, then okay. So the spot we go to, we have gone to forever. Like, that was the first time you ever went trout fishing with me. Well, no, because I used to go when I was a gaffer. Oh yeah, because I hated it because yeah. it's the trout hunting is not like casting and and reeling, which like a kid would like, right? And you got to go through the thickets, the thorns, the bugs are bad because it would never be opening day. He'd take me. It'd be later in the summer. The bugs are out. He'd go crushing through tree branches come flying back smack you in the face because you're going down little trails trying to get close to the stream find the log jams and and fish them and so i did that when i was but i hated it hated it and then then i started once i actually took more interest in it well and then once you catch your first trout lookout so yeah but yeah, so this spot forever that we've, I'm, I remember when we walked up and asked permission to the old guy that owned it and he just told us how to walk in, don't leave any garbage and you're good to go. So, but yeah, well, you can take up, it from there, dad. Well, leading up to that day, that's what I said. And how I found that stream, you know, you got heard my stories of how Ron and I would drive over all around. And then on the way home, we'd stop and fish a stream. We'd crossed over or, or ask some farmer about trouts or streams and, and uh, we just try them. That's how we found them. So we had a, a lot of places to to uh, fish. And I was with a lot of people that caught their first rainbow. I mentioned, or their first trout, period. I mentioned George Barrow. Uh, we were in a stream and, and feeding, fishing at the end of a feeder stream. He caught his first one. And, and other people, Mike Ballinger and my nephew, Rick, uh, when Rick was about, oh, 10 or so, he used to take Rick. He used to start fishing. Todd was probably under five and uh, so he didn't go with me but i remember going up a stream in the middle of the afternoon we decided to wait till the afternoon and then walk further up this stream than we figured anybody would have fished and when we were walking up we passed people fishing and then we walk we passed people coming out and a lot of people were leaving because they'd been there all morning so we got back up way back up in the stream and i sat rick in this hole and i said now you fish this hole i showed you how to fish so you fish this hole i'm going to just go up here a little bit and fish this hole well i had i had just missed a great big monster rainbow it took my worm come up to the top and then let go of the worm and i was trying to get him to bite again and so finally i got frustrated i went back to rick and i said how you doing and he says i've lost four nice trout and i said you lost four he says, I got four, got off. And then all of a sudden, bam, he hit uh, it hit his line again, and he landed that one, and it was about a three-pound rainbow. And he says, wow. He says, yep. And he, some of them were bigger than this one. I put him in that hole, and he'd lost <laughs> That's them That's it? He just said, wow, yep. <laughs> yeah, like, I couldn't, I couldn't, 
I couldn't believe it. I'd See the passion, in, Bill? See I, the passion there? I put him in that hole, and, and but that was his first rainbow, and he was he was whooping. He finally landed one, and he couldn't wait to get home and show his dad. And Mike Ballinger used to go with us a lot. And the trouble with with Mike was he was an outdoorsman, and we had to... We had a breakfast outdoors, and <coughs> excuse me, we had to eat and, and do everything. He had to carry a Coleman stove and a drip coffee maker, and so I sent you a a picture of me and my nephew Rick holding three or four rainbows, and I also sent you a picture of uh, Mike and my nephew. I think Rick's pouring a cup of coffee and Mike's cooking the breakfast, and we had to drive up a farmer's road and get up into the woods out of the way and set up the Coleman stove and he would cook bacon and eggs because that was his highlight and I said we could be fishing he said no we can't fish unless we eat so he and we always had to eat when we were with Mike and Rick loved it because he liked to eat and so anyway Ron had married a, a girl from up this way and so she told him about a stream where the farm boys used to fish so Ron and I went up and walked in and started fishing this stream and the next thing you know we're catching browns and we're catching a lot of browns and him and I would go every year well then as Todd got older and decided that he would like to start fishing and but he was into traveling hockey and all that stuff so Ron and I hadn't gone for a while and we hadn't had uh, time to do a lot of fishing so I said to Todd well I can take you to a really good spot but we got to go and reacquaint with the farmer and everything well that's what that's when Todd said about we went up to a knocked on the door and we said, okay, we, we noticed that there's signs all along here, no trespassing and everything. We'd like to get back into that stream. I used to fish it years ago. And he says, yep, right where the two fields separate, you'll see a path between the two fields. You'll go right back between those two fields and then fish upstream. You'll be fishing right up behind my farm here and you got permission to do that. So we went in and we crossed the stream and we started fishing up. And so we walked up the stream a little ways, and I said to Todd, here's a nice place to start right here on this side hill. And you'll see the picture of Todd holding a single brown in the, at the hill behind him. He's actually standing on the side hill because that's what you have to fish from. It's now washed away. You can't stand on that side hill now. That's so, Todd in this picture that you sent me. What's that? You can't tell, that's, Bill? What yeah. are you saying? Yeah. No. Well, I can yeah. tell the, the head on backwards and the little skinny you know, punk yeah. kid there. It had to be Todd. Anyway, it's, it's a fishing hat. One side's up. It's like a bucket hat, like you wear. I just have Is one it? side pinned up, so yeah. it looks mm -hmm. like it's kind of on back. And then the yeah, it was very dark picture. Yeah, well, it was. It was. It was all trees and everything. It was a dark picture. But anyway, that picture. That's his first brown trout, and he was so excited to catch that brown trout. Well, then he was away, and I sent you another picture where it's a lot sunnier along the riverbank. I think he's holding eight browns, four in each hand. And that's what we went on to catch that day before we were done. And then that became a ritual from that day on. That's where we went opening day. And I also sent you a picture of him fishing from the bank. That's just behind where he was standing with those eight. That's and me fishing? I thought that was you fishing. No. no. <laughs> Apparently, I dressed really warm that day. Yep. And <laughs> you can see how nice and grassy. That is so grown up now, you had, you can hardly get through it. With well, it used to be a cow pasture. There used to be cattle walking around in there so they'd keep all that crap down and yeah. now the cattle aren't in there so it's all growing up no need. yeah yeah and anyway it's still a, a beautiful stream a beautiful spot so that give you an idea 
of where we fished. And so every opening day from then on, we'd walk that little pathway back, cross the stream, and then we'd go up and fish down. But I can't do the walk now. Like, I can't get through all that briar and stuff. I'm too slow. My knees give out. I step on something, my I catch my boot in a weed or something, and my left leg and Then he complains, and he whines, and, oh, geez, just leave me. And Go on. Fall, and leave me. My, my fishing pole gets wound up and everything, so I just walk back a little way, and I sit on this bend. Well, then, while I'm waiting for him to walk up and fish down to me, I will get up and just walk Jesus. along the bank because up to that point, it's kind of clear to walk, so I will up and down the bank, fish a little bit, fish the holes and that. And I usually pick up one or two, except this day. Spoiler alert, Bill. Why didn't you get any pictures? <laughs> yeah, what happened? I was kind of uh, waiting except for this day. Going on. I have no idea how he's doing because he's gone. It took him three and a half hours to fish down to me. That should tell you how I was so doing. I knew, <laughs> I knew he was really working hard. And he says, fishing. "Why did you put my chair so close to the water?" Well, I figured if you stood up and lost your balance. Yeah, right. He he actually did put it too close to the water. And I, I'm he fixing said, to that, inherit a bunch of guns and probably a big payment out from mom. He said, "Is that fine?" <laughs> back i said no put it a little back a little further i get up and catch a boot or stumble i'll be in the rudder for sure and i don't i'll get out but i don't want to get wet so moved it back a bit so get out he can't he can't walk through bramble but he'd get out of a stream stream. in the spot he's fishing it's pretty good it's probably a good five foot hole i think he was fishing in deeper than that that? you think it's deeper than that on that run right today it was or yesterday saturday it was because yeah, the get water out. was a little high. <laughs> now, not detrimental to the fishing. However, because you couldn't see the bottom in a lot of runs, there wasn't spots where they were. Act- it was actually so shallow that the bottom, the river was riffling off the stones on the bottom. It, it was deep, and so you, the holes. We knew where the holes were. You could see the back eddies. But the trout could be anywhere. There were runs where you knew they weren't landing because they weren't there. Or it was too shallow. Where and the this, water was too dark, so you couldn't see them. You couldn't see the bottom. You could see the. It's so shallow in some spots that you you know there's no trout there. You'd see them. Sure. Right. Like their yeah. their backs would be out of the water. Yeah. So this is his excuse for why you didn't get any photos. Is what I really think. Wow. Bill. So water was so deep they could I'm be so, I'm anywhere. I'm to, to get a picture here of, of the morning for you, Don. But did you did you? Yeah. Did you catch any fish on Saturday? Well, that's what I'm coming to. The, they could be anywhere in the stream, right? They could be anywhere because they could be in the runs because the runs were deeper. They were, and we knew they'd be in the pools, but, but not as many as normal because they could be in the runs and things. So I knew Todd was taking his time. So I was just sitting there fishing this, this one hole, just fishing it, letting the worm drift down and throw it back and drift down and throw it back and just taking my time. And I caught a couple of chubs. And the chubs were just stripping me, and I thought, my gosh, there's, I'm, we had seven dozen worms. Todd took four with them, and I had three dozen. And I thought, there's got to be a trout in here. These chubs got to quit biting sooner or later. Well, I felt this, this, just this small tug. And so I let the line go. I closed the bail. I reeled up, and I set the hook, and, man, there was a fish there. And right away, I thought, okay, this is not a trout because – it was. It just wanted to stay on the bottom, 
And when I put pressure, it started to it started to fight, it started to swim. But that's not a trout. As soon as that trout feels it's been hooked, it goes crazy. It will strip line. It will come. It will jump. So I thought this is going to be a big old carp. And sure enough, when I got it up to where I could finally see it, it was a big old carp. I would have never got no. it in if it wasn't for the net. So I took a picture of the big old carp. I thought of sending it to you, but I thought, no, I won't bother. I'll leave you wondering. <laughs> anyway, I threw I'll it back. I'll leave you wondering. <laughs> so I got up and I walked downstream just a little. And I thought, okay, right here is where I caught my first trout last year, right under this ledge, right under this bush. And so I threw the worm upstream and let it go down. I did that about three times and I felt the tap tap. And I went, okay, I let the line go. I closed the bale. <coughs> Excuse me. I closed the bale, started to reel up, and there he was. I set the hook, and the fight was on. Tug, 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 and I could, I could, the pole bending. He was, I thought, this is a brown. He is bouncing. He's really going. Okay, all I got to do is keep him out of the bushes, keep him out of the logs, and reel him in. And I fought him for a bit, and the next thing you know, boom, my rod went up in the air. The line came loose, and he was gone. And I went, oh, no, are you kidding me? That fish should have never got off. I had him hooked. And I thought, and I played him for a while. I went, oh, it was a nice one. It had to be the way it was fighting. Anyway, I reel in and I went to put a worm back on the hook and the hook was broke off right on the curve of the hook. It broke in half. That's oh, no. Lost. The hook broke. How and old it, was that hook? It, it was brand new out of the package that morning. I don't know how old the package was, but they weren't rusted or nothing. They were them gold ones. But the hook was, the curve of the hook was broken off. And I thought, that's how he got away. That's disappointing. And I've never had that happen before. That was as close as I got to catching a trout. I never, I never landed it. But Todd, he he fished down to me three and a half hours later. We fished right back until we were out of worms. So let Todd take over. Well, yeah. See, I always say every year, Bill, how many how many worms do we need? I have at least five, six dozen a person. We don't need that many. You run out of worms. Your morning's over. This comes That's once it, a year. Yeah. Are you willing to to end your morning early? For five bucks. We didn't end it early. We didn't end I didn't it say we early. did. I'm saying this is the conversation I have with you every year. <laughs> yeah. This is a, a, a yearly tradition with the, the great worm debate. The cheapo only wants to go with two or three dozen each and we'll be out of worms and then we'd be going, you got any worms left? You got any worms left? Well, I guess we're going home. And you get up that early. You wait all year, 364 days for the 365th day to come around, but you cheap out and won't spend an extra five bucks for another dozen worms. But hold on, who's spending the money? We all split. Did I give you money for the worm? He did this year, Bill, but I, I was <laughs> shocked he did, he did because <laughs> last year, last year Rick was with us. Let me t- last year Rick was with us and he bought 40 dozen. He got a, he bought a box of He went to a, a worm farm and I think it was like 60 bucks and he got 40. They got this giant, like it looked like one of those two foot pizza boxes. Yeah. So he, <laughs> comes, he comes in. I said, the, I said to Todd, that enough worms for you? <laughs> and he says, that's how you buy worms. And we're just <laughs> grabbing them by the handfuls and chucking them in a can to take. You're like, how many have I got? I have no friggin' clue. How many's in this? 40 dozen? Well, holy cheese. Yeah. So yeah, for 60 bucks, 40 dozen? Now you're speaking my language. Yeah, so dad did go buy all the worms that they had at the local store. Seven, bought them dozen. Out, right? Seven dozen. And it was 
maybe we probably would have fished a little bit longer if we didn't run out of worms. So I think it was his ploy. It was noon before we left. It was his ploy. But my understanding from the conversation so far was you ran out of worms. He did Oh no, I he, he did. He, I, he gave I was me his really last close. Six. I gave him my last half dozen worms, I and see, then I when see. he come down to me, I gave him my last half dozen worms, and then, and then showed then me started, the holes to fish because I, he could. I started throwing spinners, and uh, spinners work for a lot of people in that area. I've just never done it, so I just started throwing spinners, but I never got a hit in the hour. The hour we were left hunting or fishing one while he was using the last few worms up. But anyway, tell your story. You know, I don't. I still haven't heard all the story from when he was way up because I said don't. Because he slept on the way home. So I didn't sleep, but uh, we, I was <laughs> <laughs> We we got in. I drop off Dad. Try to put his chair too close to the water. He's on to me, so he backs it up. Leave my lunch and everything. Just the two. Just the two normally yeah. not right. So normally yeah. there's Scotty, there's Rick, there's usually Rick's son, dad, dad's nephew is, is there. Dad's buddy Bill. Like it's it's a family deal. It's the inner circle. It can go. And but this year, for whatever reason, well, Bill wasn't well, and then Rick had something on. So then, yeah, it just turned out to be me and dad. So, yeah, all right. I had to pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You could have been there. Offered to me, and I really appreciated that. Just so, everything going on here. That I is what it is. I mean, it's, it, yeah, it only comes once a year, Bill. I mean, yeah, it's, I, you got to do the dishes. You got to do the dishes. I get it. <laughs> so, <That's> it. <laughs> but anyway, so I drop off dad and I go. So, w- what I do is I walk all the way back to a spot that I always start at. And like where I caught that first brown, it's, it's past that. But the ground's washed away. So, you got to come up the side of this ravine and it's a good 100 foot drop off that you got to come up around. And you're almost into the backfield, just inside the woods on a deer run up over the creek and then back down and way back in. And I thought, you know what? My brother-in-law, uh, Rick, normally goes 50 yards past where I start, maybe 30, 30 to 50 yards past where I start. And then he starts. And so I'll fish and then he'll slowly catch up to me. And then um, Scotty will start where dad used to start because dad doesn't do the walk, which is about. 30 yards in front of me and and we i can see scotty i can't see rick because it's a little thicker that way but rick will catch up to me i'll catch up to scott and we just kind of leapfrog our way down the river hitting hole or the or the pools or the back eddies and we know because we've fished it so many years and so much you know the log jams the pools the back eddies that are there you know it changes a little bit time to time right like the ground's washing away some more trees are falling in yeah it just it creates more um like, like log jams when the trees fall in or it gets raging so much that it might move a log jam and make one big log jam further down right right yeah. so you get to know it but you know where the pools are so even when it's a little bit deeper you still from the years prior you know where it's the deepest and where the back eddies would be and where those fish are going to lay for the most part so you know the little pools and stuff like that so i decided well i'm, I'm by myself i might as well start up where rick starts 
because I don't have competition to fish against or anything like that. I don't have to worry about Rick catching me and then me moving forward and then pushing Scott. And it's just mm-hmm. me. So I went up past and, and I threw in and the, the first fish I, I tossed in it and first, second cast. So it, it, I'm going to reiterate when dad said the tap tap, because I really do believe that this is, this is my favorite kind of fish and slash. And that's why I call it hunting of all like, and, and I do the bass tournaments in the summer and the kayak and I love bass fishing. And every weekend, you know, we're going to long point, we're going wherever on our, on our holidays, I'm bass fishing, but this, there is nothing like it. I did not sleep the night before. It is just, it's, it's amazing. You go in, you, you, you find the holes. And so here's this nice little hole. I, I can see kind of a back eddy coming up to a log jam. I, I judge how deep the water is, how fast it's moving. And I put my split shot on the, the size of split shot, I guess, you know, okay, I'm going to need this size of a split shot. And I put Based it about on the flow of the water yeah, or whatever you're going to, you got it. And so, If you want to be more accurate on throwing it, you got to have your split shot closer to the hook because where that split shot hits is where it's going to pull your worm down. Right. And so if you've got 18 inches between the split shot and your hook, well, there's 18 inches of variance. Well, if you're throwing to that hole and you throw and that hole's not 18 inches wide, you're going to be outside of the hole and you're going to miss it. Or if you want to throw right up to the log jam, well, if that's 18 inches and it lands short, it's going to drop in in front of the log jam and not get there. And the big trout, they're lazy. They're going to let the little fish take it first, or they're just going to sit there and wait for it to come to them. And if you've got too big a shot, it's not going to get to them. It's just going to sit there. You're not worried about that that, that split shot being too close to the hook and then um, seeing it and then not. Not really. Because the hooks we use. Yeah. Bass fishing, uh, a big uh, turning point was, putting on a from for braided line put a monofilament leader on right and that monofilament leader with the direct tights whatever you're 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 running whether it be a drop shot or or uh you know even a plug or something made all the difference in the world for for the the number of fish i mean visibility they see the line and see the the line i've never had my split shot closer than probably 12 inches yeah, okay. To be honest with you, right? But uh, but I will suck it up to that twelve inches if I want to. If it's a log jam that I'm going to fish, I'll slide it down. If it's a pool that I'm going to drift down into, I'll pull her up to eighteen inches. So that worm is that that split shot's on the on the bottom, but that worm is floating up to up upwards of 18 inches and back down with the current, right? Like it's moving right. up and down. It's almost jigging itself off the end of that. Cause you got 18 inches a liter there. Now the hooks we use, they're two odd hooks, but they also That's have two odd, number two, number two hooks, but they also have a liter on them, right? Like a six inch liter. They're snelled hooks that oh, you, yeah, that you buy. Too. So really it doesn't matter what line you're running because you got pretty thick line there going to that hook anyway. Right. Right. But I do put my split shot. I probably never got closer than 10, 12 inches. I was paying attention when I was doing it uh, this year. I just, I normally just go right. But I thought, Oh, I want to kind of realize, you know, how, if somebody asked me how far up is that split shot? That's, I I probably don't get closer than 10 inches, but I was putting it like 18 inches, 20 inches from the hook when I'm, when I'm fishing pools or fishing runs, because I don't want it that close. And I want that worm moving in that current. So it's more natural. So I came up and there's a nice pool there and I thought, okay. So I threw on my split shot for the size I thought I wanted. I throw in nothing on the first cast. I, I real I, I wait in that pool and you just kind of hold your line with your bail open, eh? And you let it come towards you. You might have to 
close your bail and suck up some line if, if you're fishing towards you or if you're fishing, if you're up from that, that run or that pool and you're fishing down into it, well, then you open your bail and you slowly with your other, with one hand, you're holding the rod with your other, you're holding the line and you're slowly feeding out that line so that you can control that bouncing uh, split shot on the bottom and the hook. And then, you know, if there's a branch or something down there that gets hung up, you can feel it because you're kind of, you're almost a really, really slow jig to lift it off the bottom and, and keep it moving with the current. So if you got the right split shot, it's going to hold. But when you lift it off the bottom that you're going to allow the current to move it that little bit. So every time hmm. you lift it, it'll move a little bit more and a little bit more. So when you lift it, you'll know if you're on a stick or a branch or you're caught on something, cause yeah, you'll feel that tension. Now the difference is if it's a fish when you're doing that you'll feel the tap tap they'll actually pull on you so the only time that you're going to know if you're hooked up is when you pull up if you're just sitting there and and not reeling in like if you're just sitting there and holding your line and you feel that tap tap that's a fish there is no if ands or buts and it is very distinct and the first first fisher people like the the people that are doing it for the first time i know in their head they're going how do i know if it's a fish or the bottom how do i know if it's a fish tapping yep. you know that's always the big thing yeah. you know even even fishing other species oh that was a fish well how do you know oh you know you, just, no. you know and <laughs> if you're reeling in uh chubs and 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 that they're aggressive they'll hit it on the reel in but, yeah. but typically i've only had one brown ever attack it on the on the way in they're, they're, they're a lazier hunter fish, right? So it's not like I'm reeling in now guys that fish spinners. I don't know, but my way of fishing, I have never had them when I'm reeling that worm in, I've not had them hit it only once. So, yeah, you know, for trout fishing, uh, my grandfather always used spinners like either a MEPS, uh, MEPS spinner inline or spinner, yep. inline spinner of some kind. Uh, you know, obviously when he was trolling, he used spinners and spinner rigs with big willow leaf, uh, combos, but they're, they're for a bigger fish. Than, than for Lakers and stuff. Yep. That's for sure. But his, his box, he would love trout fish just like you guys did in a, in a different, uh, different type of, uh, uh, setting, but it was spinners. <laughs> well, so, and guys are doing it. Like we've, like dad's seen guys do, I've never run into anybody down there, but dad has, cause dad's right on the edge of the property there. So he's had guys come down and they fish a spinner, but, and, and move and work it. But I've never, I've always just done worms and, and I, I don't know. I'm we're so successful with worms. Why am I going to screw that up? You know what? Why change it? I yeah. mean, especially as soon as you're doing it for one, one day a year, you know, it works, you know, the techniques you're going in to, to, to fish, not to try new things. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's it. Yeah. You're going in and, and it's to me, pretty proud of you though. And I, I don't say that very often, but <laughs> right. I'm, I'm floored. Bill. You Carry are, on my man. You have the that, floor. <laughs> that you were conscious. You were actually making a conscious effort to slow down and think about what you were doing as opposed to just ramming your way in and doing it. Yeah, oh, and you got impressive. to, you ram your way in there. You get frustrated pretty quick. Well, I've no, been I there, was done talking, that. talking about, you were thinking about uh, where you're putting your leader. Cause somebody may ask you and you were conscious yeah. of the fact yeah, that yeah, yeah. you had, you, you had to, it's this podcast. It's opened my eyes. It's made me a, a new person. <laughs> well, I'm glad we opened you up. It's broadened my horizons, people. Bill. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I did. I thought, uh, cause we talked about it before we went and I thought, you know, I said on there like a foot from it, but am I really a foot? My 12 inches, my 18 inches, my 20 inches. How far up is that split shot? And then I was fishing and I'm going, you know what? This is when I move my split shot. I'm like, Oh, I didn't mention that last time that when I'm trying to hit a specific hole, like I want a dead 
pinpoint that spot. I got to move my split shot closer because otherwise when you toss it, cause you're not casting, you pull out some line and hold it in your hand and you just flip your, your reel. Like you're using an, uh, a, a spinning rod, a spinning reel. So you open the bale and then you hold the line and you just toss it. So you're not casting. So if you got too much line between your split shot and your hook, that thing starts whipping around. Like you're not going to be that accurate. You need it closer so that all the weight is in one spot as much as possible yeah. without screwing up. Like you said, putting that split shot too close to the hook and screwing it up. So when the fish come in and, and grab that worm, they feel the weight of the split shot. Nope. I'm out of here. You don't want that either. Right. No, you want it far right. enough back that they're not lifting the weight of that split shot all in one, one motion. It's gradual. So, but yeah, no, I was, I was very conscious. So as, as I, the first pool I came up to and, and I didn't, I'd never really fished up where this is. Cause I let Rick go. I went up and I threw it in and, and the first one, no first cast. So I waited a minute, you know, and I bob it on the bottom a bit, but I can tell now that my worm is not going to go any further. I'm into a back eddy. I'm into a pool that's circling like a whirlpool. Uh, for those that don't know what a back eddy is, it's, it's like a whirlpool. So I know it's not going to drift any further. I'm in the center of that, that back eddy now that worm's just going to sit there. The only movement it's going to do is me just slowly lifting it off the bottom, like jigging with my, I jig that, that little split shot up and let it float back down. So, and again, you could fish that hole for three, four minutes and then you'll feel the tap. And I've had that there's days that you'll realize I got to fish a lot slower. They're not, they're waiting. They're seeing it. They're just chilling until that worm is like right dead in front of them. It must be in that hole or they've slowly moved over. They take it, but you're waiting three, four minutes and then you get a tap in a hole. Okay. Then you got to fish a lot slower because the assumption is they're not coming from pool to pool. He was in that pool the whole time. It took him that long to get comfortable to take that worm. So we're talking about you being conscious of this, this event from this year to last year. What the, what were the conditions and the differences in, in the, the water, the temperature, the, I don't know about the, the temperature. The Cause I never level. really, yeah, I never pay attention to the water temperature. I imagine it would be the same, but the water, the, the levels are definitely were lower last year. So oh, I will say, okay. yeah, it's, it's, it's easier to fish in shallower streams only okay. because those fish are, they're going to be in the holes and in the log jams. Sure. Yeah. And, and sunny because you have to look for the shadows. You have to look for the shadows. Yeah, they, they don't want to hang out in bright water, right? They're right. going to be in the yep. dark. This so. year, the river was a little higher. Uh, you couldn't see the bottom of the runs, so they could be anywhere. And it was overcast the whole day, and it even rained once in a while. So there were no shadows at all on the river. Mm. So that double-edged sword, right? You're not going to cast your shadow on a pool when you walk up to it, but it's deeper now. So like dad said, they could be sitting in runs because now they're comfortable. There's more water in that run. They're not all in the holes, but then you've got to know where the holes are because you're not going to tell that well because the water is a bit deeper. So it was deeper. Now it's still clear. Like, don't get me wrong. It was not muddy at all. Like it was still. Yeah, I was curious if it was just, it was murky. No, it was still pretty clear, wasn't it, dad? Like it was, it was not a dirty, dirty water. We've had it where it's been muddier before, but no, it wasn't that dirty. So it was still fishable. But, but so that first hole, second, second, second cast in, I do the same thing. You know, I throw it upstream a little bit and let it follow the stream down into the pool. And I like to do that versus just attack the middle of the pool, thunk, and let it drop. You want to drift in. I like it. to drift in like you're a piece of, of debris coming down in, right? Because that's what they're doing is they're sitting on the edges of those back eddies and that and letting the, the worms and the bugs and all of that. And browns come. will just move over in line of what's coming down, open their mouth and let it go in. 
And <laughs> if they close their mouth, if they're happy and they roll back, they'll take it. If they if it doesn't come with them, they open their mouth and let it go and move over. And I've seen them do it. I've I've watched them do it in in clear shallower water. They just that's the epitome over. of laziness. Yeah. <clears throat> and if they feel anything, they just open their mouth and roll away. And lots of times, you don't even know they've done that. They're smart. Very smart. <laughs> they're a, they're a worthy adversary, Bill. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to touch that one with a ten foot pole. Very intelligent, the, bat, the the brown trout. So so anyway, the second cast, I throw it up stream again and and i'm watching it come down and i'm making sure you know i'm every now and then i've got my line on it and i'm pulling more line back because it's coming towards me into the pool and i'm making sure i'm not on the bottom it's still moving and because your line again your line if the more line you let out it will fall it will take that line downstream on the top of the water but you're actually way back upstream because you're hooked up on a branch or something but you don't even know it because it's underwater and your your split shot of your hooks hooked into a into a log or something under the water debris but you're lines moving downstream because it's just pulling line out because you got your bail open but your your worm's not really moving so you got to be very cognizant right like you're keeping enough tension on that line that you're working that that split shot coming down but you're allowing it to still take enough line that it's coming down what, what i do if i see the line floating down the stream then i'll lift the rod i still got the bail open got the line on my hand i'll lift the rod if the line comes back upstream yeah. Then I know the hook starts has cutting, cutting water back I, upwards, right? I know that the maybe the split shots underneath a rock or behind a rock upstream, and so it isn't drifting down anymore. It's just the line that's going down the river. So then I'll you know, close yeah. the bale, reel up a little bit. Hope you're not snagged. You may have to walk upstream and pull up, it out that way to slow, get it up and yeah. over. Slowly come up to where now the line's gone straight into the water, lift a little, and then I'll feel the split shot come out from behind that stick or out from behind that stone and start going down and then and it's then free again and you'll feel that line start then starting to take again. again and it'll go because you got the weight of the split shot the hook yeah. and the worm right so, so it's work man a, it's a lot of work yeah, it is it, as a matter of curiosity you took seven dozen worms how many dozen hooks you take oh dude i had oh <laughs> seven packages i would think seven or eight packages of six of six and how many did you go through? I got a package and a half left. <laughs> now, I didn't lose that many because I wasn't moving as much. I only moved a little bit. But when I did move, I started tying on hooks. I probably tied on about five hooks. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, I tied on about 35. <laughs> Yeah, no I'm joke. Sure your patience level wouldn't be very, very. Well, you got to make sure you have coffee in the morning and you've eaten something because, yeah. and that's what I mean. It will wear wear on you. But when you're fishing with more, like when Rick and Scotty go right, like when there's more of us going down and leapfrogging, you're not hitting every single hole. So now you're hitting some back eddies and you're hitting more pools and you're hitting runs while they're fishing some log jams. You don't lose the hooks. You get that break. But that's because right. it was just me, it was a a lot of work. I was tying on a lot because I had to fish every log jam. I had to fish yeah. every hole. You can't and let one go past. This is like your one opportunity. That's it. And if you go downstream and then that's what I was thinking. Oh, what if I catch, you know, we I'm close to a limit. I caught four. I'm allowed five and I didn't fish one of those log jams. It's going to bug me that. I, so, you know, there's going to be a fish under every log jam. It's whether you get their attention and, and actually catch it. So, but anyway, so back to my second cast at that hole, I throw it up. I let that split shot bounce down and I just get to the edge of that pool 
And sure enough, tap, tap. So I oh. let go. Now I'm holding my line with my index finger, and my thumb. I'll quickly go zip, zip, and, 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 and I make that sound, but I go zip, zip, and let out a little bit of line, right? Just because now I want him to take it. So zip, zip, let out some more, close my bail and I'm really anal. This is trout hunting. They're a worthy so adversary. If you don't make that sound, is it like, you're not going to catch a fish? Maybe, or is that maybe, part, part maybe that's it? why I'm so successful. I don't know. Maybe hmm. we got, we I, just I, cracked I, the code. <laughs> right. This is Todd's tip for the week. Todd's tip, tip for the week. Everybody's out there now on the, on the streams and Godrich side by side going, zip, zip. <laughs> anyway, so I, I let out a little bit, and then I close my bail really, really easy and quiet because they're where the adversary, right? Right. So quiet. And then I start to reel in because I want to take that slack up, but I want him to take it. So as I'm reeling in, I'm moving my rod tip towards him, towards the, the pool so that I'm not abrasively taking that line because I need that slack gone so I can set the hook, but I don't want him to feel me until I do. And so you can't have any slack there when you set that hook and you want him to take it. So I start to reel and it sounds like it's a long time. It's literally seconds that all this is going on, but I'm slowly reeling in as I put my rod towards him. And just as that line gets tight, if he's still there, you're going to feel that tap again because that line's now coming tight. And the minute, so I start to reel in, that line is now tight. I feel that tap again that okay he's there as soon as i feel that tap and that line's tight boom, i set the hook not like a bass setting hook where like you're swinging your back arching it and and making it like all tv worthy like like i said like a, a, a yeah, goalie flash in the glove I mean, if you get uh if you get a bass it got pretty hard mouths and i thought trout was like a softer softer mouth. you could rip that hook right through their lips a lot easier than you could have you might could i've never set the hook like a bass like a bass hook set, like on TV, right? Like I got a film crew following me. I'm like, I want them to know I just caught a fish. Watch this. Yeah. <laughs> With this start technique. raising your ankles and go all the way through. Your, right? Your Bend at the knees and snap the back. It's like a clean and jerk motion. I'm auditioning for the Olympic weightlifting team. But with this technique, Bill, you catch very few trout, very few browns in the lips or mouth because the tap, tap, and then you let it go and let the line go, they've taken it. They'll swallow yeah. that worm. And so when you set the hook, it's deep in their mouth. Because when you're really in and then they're there, you've, you've set it deep in their mouth. So you catch very few in the, in the mouth. You're right in the lips, yeah. Yeah, it's down a bit. It's, it's, it's a bit deeper. But so I felt it. I, I reel in. Boom, I set the hook and he's on. So now, I okay, I got to horse him in. And that's why dad uses really heavy line because like bass, they'll dig down and start to hit the bottom, right? And really and really pull your line over. Trout are insane. They're like on energy times 10. They're like crackhead fish. They just go nuts. They're like, we're the adversary. Like they're, you said, they're like, like Yeah. You. And so like I, they will, they're, they're, they're very high energy. <laughs> so yeah, they're, a, they're a high octane kind of fish. Right. Like, uh, yeah, they, they want to ban them because like they're more than jet fuel. It's just, yep. it's probably, if you pulled them out of the water too many times, they would be bad for our environment with the emissions that they're letting out. Cause they are that no horse powered up. They're going crazy. So they will wrap you around branches, trees, whatever is in there. So you want to get them the heck out of that water as fast as you can. So dad uses a heavy pound test. I don't, I use eight pound, uh, trilene low viz. And now being thoughtful, again this time and really paying attention i thought it's probably pretty stupid i should use high abrasion resistant line because on the hooks we use 
there's a six inches of really heavy mono that who cares if I'm tying it to low vis eight pound trilene? Like it, That's right. it, 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 it kind of sunk home with me thinking this. I'm like, I've always said, Oh, I use light line so they can't see it. But wait a minute, the hooks I'm tying on have a six inch leader that looks like it's 20 pound mono. So uh, probably pretty stupid of me to do that. But anyway, right, soon now as you're conscious of it, yeah, now, I, yeah, now I might as well go dad's route, except for the memory on that heavy mono where you just open your bail and it goes on the ground. Yeah. But, but, but anyway, so I, I horse that, that, that fish in and I just start reeling. Cause you want to get them in as fast as possible. So I, I'm reeling like a madman and I get it up and, it, and it's just like a stupid little horn dace. And so, so hey, I was, I was going to ask you that those uh, horn dace and those chubs and stuff like that, they're not a predatorial fish, obviously. So it, it, it's not one of those things that you get that smell on your hook, your line, of, of yeah. the horn days and, and the trout brown eat them. Gonna stay away from uh, brown or vicious okay, so, they eat oh, those chubs so yeah, and that's the other thing I was thinking is they'll eat, they'll eat each other because two years ago my son-in-law Rick he caught a nice three and a half pound brown and when he cleaned it it had two eight inch full brown trout in its in its stomach really? just recently taken they he pulled them out and they were complete fish eight inches long two of them Browns. Todd would count that towards his limit. <laughs> <laughs> no, not towards the limit. You got him home. You're good to go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I definitely line up for more photos, but <laughs> yeah. but yeah, no. And so that, that, and then that went in my head, Bill, because I typically don't catch chubs or horned aces down there, right? Because dad says the Browns are vicious. They will eat the chubs. So if you're catching chubs, oh, yeah. there might not and be Browns. Yeah, I get where you're coming right? from Right, and so I was so far upstream that, and Rick has told me he catches chubs up there, and I very rare, rarely do. And so I thought, oh, I'm too far upstream now. I'm not in brown territory. But dad also says you got to clean out all the little fish that are more active than the browns to get rid of them because those browns are lazier to, to eat than chubs and, and horned acer, suckers and, and that. So you got to get rid of the little ones to get the big ones. So I thought, okay, go again. So I threw back in that pool and there's another tap tap. So I do the same thing, let the line go and then slowly close my bail, reel up, boom, set the hook. And now this one feels like, and it was the biggest chub, biggest horned ace I have ever caught. I bet you it was 12 inches. Like it was a good size. I thought it, for sure it's a brown. And I horse that sucker in and no, I'm like, what? what is this? This thing's big. And so I threw it upstream. Well, then I fished that pool for probably another five minutes. You know, I don't know how many casts of, of throwing up and letting it fall down into that pool that I did and nothing, but it led up to a big log. Now the water wasn't really flowing under the log jam like it should. It was coming down around a channel and I couldn't really get under that log. It was, it was too big. So, but on the other side of the log from where I was standing, there was a really big back eddy that was circling. And I thought, man, that looks good. But there's a bush on the edge of the, of the stream that I couldn't get through the bush to get to it, at least without making a racket. So I thought I got to cast to it from here. So again, I held my line, index finger and thumb, and I just flip it over that log and let it drop. Well, it wasn't two seconds. That thing hit the water, flowed down. Cause I, I, I threw high of the back eddy. 
up close to the other side of the shore, but on the other side of the log, let it fall down and wham. It was like those two taps that you normally feel was like tap, tap. And my <laughs> rod started to bend. I just closed my bail and set the hook and I horsed it. It was there. And it was there. And it was a nice, I don't know what, that 12 inch brown? Oh, the biggest one? No, it, was a, it wasn't the biggest oh, yeah. one. No, it was about 13 or 14. 13, 14 brown. So that's a keeper. I'm like, now we're cooking. So that's on like, I don't know. I'm, I'm five, 10 minutes in. We're looking good. So I throw it in my pack. Now it swallowed. It hit so fast and so hard. And it swallowed the hook. So I yeah. ended up just cutting my line and leaving the hook in its mouth down yeah, in its gullet. Keeping it I'm keeping it anyway. I ain't wasting time trying to pliers that out. Just poof, throw it in my pack. It's got the line hanging out of its mouth. I don't care because it swallowed the hook. And I mean, it was seconds. They'll swallow the hook if you're not paying attention and the taps are there and your line's gone and you know, you're fixing your hat or something. You pick up your reel and there's a fish. It, no, he swallowed the hook when that thing hit the water. It was insane. <laughs> and I was holy. So I, right, on top. right. So I throw on another worm, toss in again, same thing. Bam, bam. Only this one feels even more. I locked that bill and I'm reeling in. I boat flipped that sucker all the way up onto shore. It almost hit me in the face. Uh, there's no, I'm on the other side of a log and he's going crazy. I don't know what debris down there. I got to get him out of that water fast. So I, I pull him out and, and he was, I don't know what dad, what was he? 16, 17 inches oh, yeah. brown. That was my biggest nice. one. And that was the second cast well, in that, that was pool. The biggest one, he was a good 18, 18. Yeah. And he's, swallowed it but I didn't want to have to tie on another hook on that one and I was pretty pumped so I actually and I forgot my pliers so I actually reached down no. I did I reached down with my hand and my fingers and I popped that hook free and I ended up cutting my 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 fingers on on his mouth <laughs> so I'm bleeding but I got the hook out of his mouth and I threw him in my pack and we're good so then I Silly went on question. Yeah. question do you know where your pliers are yeah, they're right here behind me because I took them out of my bass fishing pack when I went. Did I? Oh, when I went walleye fishing with Petey and Kevin, I used my, I used my bass fishing gym bag as my gym bag to take. So I had to unload it all. And so yeah, they're they're I'm right here curious. on the floor. I can I can yeah, take a picture curious. and send them to you just to prove that I know where they are. Yeah, right beside the primers that are probably still by your computer. <laughs> they are still by my go right here here. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, those are gold right now. So anyway, I, uh, so I, I fished that a couple more times with no hits. And I mean, they were aggressive. I thought, holy geez, this is going to be a good day. They're hitting like that. There's no second guessing, but it was first light. I will say when we first got in there, the first, the first cast. And when I caught those, those chubs, it, it, I was thinking this is going to be difficult because I can't see really where my line is and you really yeah. need to watch your line until it got a little bit lighter. And I was thinking then, man, I must be getting old because it never used to bug me. And I can see to put on my hook. I can see to put on a worm. I can't see my line in that water to know where it's at. And that is crucial because you got to guide that thing down into the pool. So, but anyway, so I went down to my spot where I start and, and I cast and I have a run that leads up to a, a little bit of a, a, a point, but not really a point, but it is, it is a bit of a point. I don't even know how to, other words to describe it. It's because it, it's coming up to a bend. So there's a little point and it comes around and on that point is a tree and the root system is exposed in the water. And this tree is pretty good tree growing straight up, but the roots are exposed and they go down under the water and under the bank. So they create this bank kind of in their own right. And so I fish down towards that root system and I usually pick up a brown, nothing huge, but a nice one. So I've fished the run. 
And I got to go further. I got to get closer to that roots. Well, the minute it gets right on top of those roots, and I think I got to get down below those roots, and I don't care if I tie off. I just saved a hook from this guy's mouth. I don't care if I lose it. So I, I fished it down and tried to get under those roots, and I had the hardest hit I have ever had trout fishing. And I don't know if it was a trout. I got to assume with my bail open and the line between my finger and my thumb and feeding it in that down that run and slowly lifting that split shut off and letting it go a bit further, lifting that up, feeding a little bit more line that, and then letting it drop, feeding a little bit more to fish it down there. My bail still open, my line between my, my index finger and my thumb. This fish hit so hard it pulled the line out of between my finger and my thumb and bent my rod in a 90 degree and almost ripped it out of my hand. Come on. I ain't kidding. Holy, and it took line. I closed my bail as fast as I could, set that hook and started, and I had him start reeling. Well, does he wrap me around that root system down there? I reel all the way up to the roots and I'm laying on the bank and I'm pulling and I can feel him and I can pull really easy and my rod's bending because I'm wrapped around around roots and crap and I can pull and it comes a little bit and then I could feel him tug me back and pull me back in. And I played with him for four to five minutes until my line became so tight. I could, and it probably wasn't four to five minutes, probably was like two minutes, felt like four to five minutes, but my line became so tight wrapped around the roots and the crap. And, and it's so deep there on that corner under the, I, that there's nothing I could do. I, I had to break, break my line. Go swimming. Well, and I darn near was about to. If I wasn't by yeah. myself, it probably would have happened. Yeah, I guess that's probably one of your saving graces for not getting wet. Uh, well, yeah, because, oh, I tell you, I've never had a hit that hard, and I was thinking about it. I'm thinking, holy geez, if I could just set my rod down against this tree so it wouldn't get pulled in and get naked, I'm, I'm here by myself. I get in there, but I'm by myself. And so if crap goes bad, I don't know how deep it is. I don't know what that bottom's like. I don't, I have, uh, so I didn't snap my line. And so uh, now I moved down to dad's spot and, and a pool. So this is the cool part. And this is, you've seen this on Instagram, on Redneck Country's Instagram. I went live. So I'm fishing. There's a, a bunch of debris and I'm fishing under the debris. And I, sh I showed it on our Instagram live, Redneck Country Instagram live. You can go there and take a look at it. I showed the debris. I fished some of that. I lost some hooks and I carried on down to a run that goes into a pool. That is the number one spot for catching fish on that whole stream. It's where dad normally starts. Last year, me and Scotty, I, we, we pounded, I don't know what, five or six out of that hole, dad. Yeah. Last stood, year. You stood side by side. Yeah. And we just took turns. Yeah, every cast was a fish darn near coming out of that out of that hole it bites anyway it, to get them and I tell you in that video there it was a very good description and showing what you meant by back eddies and, and you you showed that so people were were wanting to to get a good indication of what that is I, I highly recommend you go back to that video on Instagram yeah wherever it was Instagram I guess but, it was Instagram uh, I went live a bit later on Facebook trying to give a bit more tutorials but that was it was oh, tough yeah. by myself but Instagram yeah I, that was the that was a good spot because I had log jams I had a run and then you had a pool into a back eddy so you had yeah. all three things that, that you could fish that I could show yeah, I think it was pretty educational there. And then, yeah, no, it was wicked. So I was sitting there and, it, and this, this was pretty cool because I've tried it every year. I've gotten close, but I've not gotten this close. So as I'm fishing this run, I can hear turkeys up on that 
that washed out ravine that I had come up and around up on top. I could hear some hens just giving the, er, 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 and I thought, well, I'm fishing. What do I care? Every now and then when I got to tie on a new hook or a worm, I'm not going to do it right over the water. But when I got to, I'm going to call. So as I'm fishing and that, I'm like, er, 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 and I'd get them to respond. Well, then all of a sudden I get, at all. That'd be cool. I, every year I can hear gobblers down there. I've not called one in. I'd love to have a gobbler walk up on me. It's not open. I don't have a gun, but it'd be cool. So as I'm fishing, I'm, and I could get him to respond. And he's probably a good four or 500 yards away, way up on top of that ravine, way off in the distance. So I just kept doing it. Well, as I'm doing that, I'm fishing. And now I'm doing it while I'm fishing because I'm getting responses. And we're in front of me at 100 yards does one sound off. And I almost throw my pole. It scared the living. <laughs> at 100 yards, that's loud. It's in your face. And it, I almost chucked my pole in the water. And I look up. And I'm the ravine on the other side where that creek was, is it's just eye level. So my eyes are level with the ground on the other side because I'm down on the bank on, on the side I was fishing. And I look up. And there's a bright red head 100 yards right through the thicket. And I can't see him, just his head. And it is bright red. It's staring right at me. So I just froze. And so as I'm standing there froze, I'm wearing camo because I was expecting rain. So I thought, okay, I'll just give a little bit of really light chirping. Now I can see him and I don't care. It's, there's no pressure. So I just, no, and I didn't have a call or nothing. I'm just, right using, yeah, I'm just using my mouth like I am right now. Right. So I just went, and I watched him all of a sudden just and start walking towards me and into the thick brush and I can't see him. So I slowly sat down, pulled out my phone, put my rod down, went live on Instagram. And that's where the start of the video you got. So I'm sitting there on the edge of the bank and my head's just level. I could just see up on top and I'm calling every now and then and I'm videoing. And this happens within two minutes. It's like the video total video is like five minutes long. And I'm like, and no more goblin, but Bill, they never get close enough when I'm turkey hunting for this. And I've heard it, but not to this extent. I've heard it at, you know, at 70 yards. Cause any closer than that, I'm, I'm, I'm taking their head off. I don't ever let them get close enough for this. So I've heard it way off in the distance. This was freaking cool. So I can't see them. It is so thick on the other side. Like there's vines and thorns and crap that we're, we got to get through to get to the edge of the stream. They're walking it. And so I can't see them, but I hear. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's all I can hear. And that's getting closer. And that it's like a subwoofer hitting my chest. And that was insane. I mean, he was so amazing how that resonates through a distance like that. It was crazy. Like he's 20. When he was doing that, he was probably 30 yards because at the closest they were, they were 20 yards. I bet maybe maybe a bit closer. But at 30 yards when he did that and I couldn't see him. It was so thick. I couldn't see him. All I could hear was it hit my chest like a subwoofer going off. And you know, at that stage, he is full, full strut, puffed right out as, you know, as puffed as he'll ever get and making that noise coming right to you. Oh, it was, yeah, that spitting and drumming, dude, it was, it was awesome. Like, and he's shaking, that's how much he's. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, and I had him jacked up, no mouth collar, nothing, just my mouth, just, just doing that. And he's just spitting and and oh and then next thing i know there's a head and maybe less than 20 maybe 15 yards and i'm like 
there it is. So I hold my camera up. Well, they could see, I, I didn't know how to turn the camera around on Instagram live. There's no button for it. It was bugging me. So I had to physically turn my whole camera. So technically they're staring at my phone at themselves. So I'm holding my phone up in the air. It's lit up where normally you just have the camera lens, right? But they've got my whole phone facing them and they're 15 yards. You ain't getting a much closer than that when you're showing them the phone. So I've got my phone aiming right at them and there's a head. And I know on the Instagram video, you can't see it that well. Maybe if you watch it on an actual computer monitor, but on my phone, you can't see them, but they're there. Boom. There's a head. Then there's another head. And then there's a third head. And there's three Toms that I just called in with my mouth, 15 to 20 yards. And I said, I, I, they're just, now they're getting weary. They're looking, their heads are, are on like a swivel. And I thought they're going to take off pretty soon. I said, okay, I'm going to stand up and show these three. And I stood up and sure enough, they ran directly away. But oh my gosh, it was just unbelievable. That was awesome. So yeah, then, It's just the stuff that the turkey hunting dreams are made of. And, and you made it a trout hunting, turkey hunting combination. That That's awesome. Yeah, like if I had a shotgun, it'd have been over. Like yeah. It would have been good night. It was, it was awesome. So that's, and then I showed you the, the log jams. I just fished, lost a bunch of hooks. I showed you the run that I fished and there was actually some log jams under the run that I didn't know. And I lost a couple hooks there. And then I showed the pool that I had actually pulled a trout out of. So I, I, I went, my third trout came out of that pool after I had to pull two chubs out of that, um, out of that pool. And then, that I got the brown and then I had a few more taps and I just couldn't get them. I just couldn't, couldn't get, a, I was dealer. going through worms like crazy, a couple hooks. Cause there was a little bit of debris under there and uh, every now and then I'd get the taps, but they wouldn't commit. And it, so it, chubs will typically hit like that. Eh? So, and to catch yeah. the, the, get that first chub out of there, every time it went down, he'd steal my freaking worm. It was really light tap, steal my worm, tie another one, put another worm <laughs> on, fish that run. Just right? and, and I mean, it's like a minute and a half to get your worm to come into the pool at the right edge where those fish were laying because I had to come down the run on the right angle to get it in there. So I was getting frustrated because I'm going like, ah, here goes another 60 seconds of baby in my, my split shot, my worm to make sure I stay on the top side of that run to hit that pool. So I get the taps and then I'm trying to set the hook while I was setting the hook side. What I had to do was set the hook straight up and down to finally get that chub. And so, cause I was pulling it sideways to set right. the hook and I was pulling it out of his mouth every time and he'd steal my worm. So the one time that when I reeled up, I reeled up with my rod tip up instead of sideways and pulled sideways and I pulled straight up over my head. I hooked him straight in the top of the mouth and I yanked him out of there. I threw him upstream. Then I caught another chub. I threw him upstream and then I caught a good 14 inch brown. Ah, out of that. And then, off, eh? Yeah. And then I got, I got some, some taps, but I couldn't seal the deal. And I spent an hour and a bit on that hole and that, cause I, you get taps, they're there. And so then I went upstream a bit more and there was a log jam. I was fishing it and I kept getting the same light taps in the same spot every time. And every second time I was busting off a hook because it was the, the water came down from, I had to, it was on a bend and I had to cast up in front of me and let it fall down, follow the, the run towards me. Cause the log jam was like beside me and, but it had to come in from down from upstream. So I had to throw way up on the bend and let it come down into that log jam. So I was inside the log jam. So when I reeled out, I was reeling through junk. And so 
every other reel in, I was, I was losing a hook. Busting it off, so yeah. I was losing hooks and worms. I had to go through a dozen right there. And I just, uh, at that point now, this is when you realize that. And I, I said to you, I think I, I said to you that when you're fishing with more than one guy, if it was me, Scotty and Rick, you don't get frustrated. Like I did like that quick because I wouldn't fish every hole like that. Every log jam, right. yep. I'm fishing every single log jam. So the pools, you don't typically break off, have to tie on. You're, you're catching fish. The log jams, that's a crapshoot. You might catch a fish. And if you do, it's going to probably be a good one or you're going to break off a hook. I mean, it's, it's one or the other fish or hook, pick one. So you're right. fishing every log jam. You're guaranteed to break it off hooks on every log jam, fishing every other log jam or every third log jam. You keep your patience. You're not tying that's on as many and bit. you're not getting as frustrated with the, cause you know, there's a fish there. You feel the taps. Well, every log jam, you're feeling the taps. You're not being able to hook it. And you're, when you do go to set the hook, you're drilling into a log and breaking <laughs> you're not off. Getting that out. Oh, dude, you're just getting frustrated. So that's when you realize fishing on your own, you get frustrated pretty quick. So it was take, I was trying to stay calm. I was breathing, doing a little bit of Zen. I might've done some yoga on the side. I'm not surprised. <laughs> Be surprised. I have no idea what yoga is. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my back was so sore. I was doing some downward dogs, but I don't know what that is. So, so I did that for a bit and then I moved down and I caught up to dad and and then i uh i caught two smaller ones that i i ended up letting go because they were only i don't know eight nine inches he texted me or he called me and he says how many worms you got left i said about seven he says seven dozen i said no seven worms (laughs) so i said are you just about to me he says yeah i'm almost to you i said okay well good i'll give you these worms and i'll switch to spinners and so i could see him he came around the bend and i could see him fishing and so I watched for a minute, and all of a sudden I realized he had one on, and I heard him say, I got one! And I was parallel with the side, and he was back from the bank a bit, and he got it up to the surface and was just lifting it out, and it got off. And I did see it, and it was a nice brown. And he went, oh, it's gone! I said, yeah, I saw it. That was a nice brown. He said, you saw it? I said, yeah, we were underneath all them bushes hanging over there, and you couldn't see it from where you were, but... I saw it come up and out of the water, and you almost had him out, and he got off and went went under. So he lost two, threw caught, back two, kept three, kept three, and yeah, I had seven. Day. Yep, yeah. a good day. A and good he day. ate them. He ate them. Yeah, well, night. that was my lunch. That was well, a lupper. Three thirty or so, I was frying them up. <laughs> And uh, you get a special way to do that. You know what? We used to put a, we used to, to, to gut them and not fillet them, gut, gut them, leave the skin on them, right? Cut off the head, cut off the tail, take the fins off, gut them out. And so you have like an envelope, like a taco and then stuff onions in them, wrap them in tin foil, and then bake them like that, right? With some butter and bake them. Sure, yeah. um, but anymore i filleted them like i did the walleye where so i i uh i cut behind the gills and then i just took off the one side took off the other side and then i i, I did take the skin off where trout you can eat the skin and it's actually pretty yeah, good it's, 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 I don't know. but i was i didn't know if my daughter um, megan my oldest she wanted to have some fish and she doesn't like she's looking at it going I don't, that doesn't look like what I get in the restaurant. So I mixed up some batter and I, I did, I took them off the skin. I I filleted them, took the bones out. And and if you do them that, that other way with bacon, once they're cooked, you can just pull the bones right out of them. Right. But not when your 14 year old daughter wants to eat them too. So I, uh, I ended up filleting them and I battered them and fried them in a pan. 
Yeah, that, that's the only thing that ever bothered me about eating fish was the bones. And I don't know what trout bones are. They're like. little. They're like salmon bones, right? Especially when they're that yeah. size of a fish. But but I got them all out. They're, they're not difficult to, to get out. I, I had no problems with them getting out. It was actually didn't take me long at all. Had them cleaned up probably half an hour and and then uh, pan fried them. And, and me and my daughter ate. Oh, we ate this them. wasn't like the, the, the walleye, which we haven't talked about yet, where you just made a, a phone call. And five minutes for your dad to get there, 25 minutes to, to clean them. <laughs> Did we not talk so that, about that the whole life bit yet? Yeah, yeah, not yet. We're going to have to have that on another podcast. But uh, I I'm called pretty them sure. There was a lot of walleye, Bill, and they were freaking huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, were, they, weren't, they weren't 18 inch. They, we had some 30 inches in there. Yeah, spoiler alert, but we... Uh, yeah, that'll be another good podcast. Did, did you, you know where your knives were, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, because the- dad left his fillet knife here. It was up there on the counter. The The wife washed Ooh. it, so I grabbed it and used it. Worked good. Did you get it back, Don? Not yet. I still <laughs> missing my knife sharpener, too. I don't know if it's here he, anywhere. He doesn't need it. Didn't you hear? I can't find it? my knife sharpener unless you're, that day. Unless you're eating carp. He doesn't need yeah. a fillet knife. <laughs> no, I, I put the car back. No, well, I had one on, but I didn't land it. So yeah, so it was a good day, and and that, folks, is trout hunting. And if you've never done it, there is no other fishing compared to it. Sounds like a blast, I tell you. I wish I had been able to come down, but I'm going to make this a priority for next year. Everything stops, and we're going to be joining you on the Friday night because there's no way dude you don't have to you could do it now like I got other spots that we hit too and and not saying that this one this one typically my brother-in-law goes back down usually a week later and they don't do as well but we have yeah. other spots that we fish all summer that, that we catch true this year's not going to work turkey hunting is going to take priority coming this Saturday and then the Volkswagen getting that going but <laughs> sounds like you're doing a real like complete a full build on the Volkswagen Oh, more than I wanted to. Let's put it that way. But uh, yeah, gonna I'm going to be pretty happy with it when it's, when it's yeah, all said it's and done. Be sweet and it's done. Yeah, and I once this project's over, we're we're just going to stop the project for a while. <laughs> we're just going to start to enjoy stuff yeah, for a while. For sure. I'm not really too sure <laughs> how how much even shooting that we're going to do this year. This year, Candace went to Cabela's on on the weekend looking for strikers and mouth calls for turkey hunting. They're all out of mouth calls. Didn't have any strikers. I just proved you she, don't even need them. I was just going to say, you're an old raspy hen, so you don't really need much of that anyway. So I'm not. So I need to have my own calls. But anyways, um, the, uh, the, sh- the challengers that I shoot were $120, $119 yep. uh, a flat now. Yep. So I'm, I'm really second-guessing the amount of uh, shooting I'm going to do. I'd like to get down and see the growler for a, for a shoot maybe on June 5th. I think that's up. You'd like to go up and see the growler. Across. For maybe, you, maybe, yeah, maybe a bit across. Whatever. Just, uh, we'll, we'll go to see I would the join you if there was a bass tournament the same weekend. Yeah. Well, but I don't think it there all is. depends. With the pricing, gas pricing, ammunition, like we said before, I'm seriously curtailing the amount of shooting I'm going to do yeah, this I'm, summer. I'm with you. I'm, I'm focusing on kayak bass fishing, and that'll yep. probably be my, my big gig. Like I said, if well, there's a shoot it. up where, because I typically, <laughs> the tournament's on a Saturday. If there's a shoot on a Sunday where I'm close by, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, make it. it a priority. Got, I've already got the, 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 the boat done last year. Volkswagen will be done this year. I've already spent the money there. There's no need to go out and spend more money on something 
I'll go down to Toronto International and shoot, you know, practice rounds and still have a blast shooting with the guys. I'll cut, get down and shoot with you maybe once or so. But the amount that I was going to do, I think I'm just going to back her down. And, I think we got to get and, your and boat and enter a big bass tournament somewhere. Yeah, well, whatever it is, I can tow you out somewhere in that little kayak years. <laughs> nope, can't. It's against the rules. It's called satelliting. Is that what it's called? <laughs> it's called just like Talladega Nights. We're just going to draft and push. Dra- draft me. Draft me. <laughs> so, anyways, I think that was a good podcast, sir. Yeah. I really enjoyed hearing about uh, the, the Todd uh, uh, trout hunting. I was wishing I was hearing more stories about your dad's success on Saturday. Oh, I enjoyed the day. I, I, I fished hard. I fished hard in that little bit where I was fishing, but... Uh, I enjoyed sitting there. I took a chair in, and I just enjoyed sitting and watching the geese and the ducks fly. I had geese flying and landed in front of me, and, yeah, it was awesome. I, I even saw a martin on the other side of the stream come down the riverbank. I just sat there and enjoyed the wildlife, and I caught a few fish, and they weren't brown trout, but I caught a few fish and enjoyed the morning. It was awesome. Had, when Todd cut up to me and we ran out of worms, we had our lunch with us and we sat there. It was and had noon, lunch. which we normally take off around that time anyway, right? So <laughs> it was probably the right amount of worms. But like I said, if we had a bit more, I'd have, I'd have fished a little bit yeah, longer. I never got them home. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. But, you know, any time spent out in the bush or or uh, in, in a field is or the stream is good time spent. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm happy you guys are able to get out. But. Anyway, good, good chat, podcast, everyone. and we'll be talking to you again. Yep. Sounds good. All right, take Thanks, care. Bill. Bye-bye. Take care, guys. And that'll do it for this week, folks, for the Redneck Country Podcast. I'm Bill, the Almost Guy Tom. And I'm Todd, and thanks for listening. And folks, if you want to be part of the podcast or you want to give us some feedback or really contact us about anything, feel free to email us at podcast at theredneckcountry.com. Again, that's podcast at theredneckcountry.com. Thanks for listening. Talk to you again next week.